Please be seated. Thank you, band, and thank you, Duan, for your very kind and warm uh, introduction. Uh, as Duan already said, my name is Jason. I'm a student at PTC, and I also want to thank every one of you uh, here this evening for allowing me this opportunity to preach God's word uh, to you. Uh, I'd love to chat with you after the service. You might find me wearing a mask uh, for the protection of my parents' very poor health, uh, but I can guarantee you under that mask there is a friendly smile, and uh, with that mask I can't even bite you. So <laughs> be encouraged uh, and assured. Uh, now please open your Bibles to Romans chapter 6, to, the, uh, to this epistle chapter 6 verses 15 to 23. Uh, and if you're using a church Bible, it's uh, at the page 1,121. 1,121. And let me read it to you. Romans chapter 6, verses 15 through 23. What then? Are we to sin? Because we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit, of, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end eternal life for the wages of sin is death but the free gift of god is eternal life in christ jesus our lord this is the word of the lord let's pray heavenly father your word is truth and the truth will set us free Please help me by your grace and your spirit to preach clearly and faithfully so that your people will be sanctified to live and grow in true freedom. In Christ's name, amen. When I was in primary school in China, my parents bought me a video game console and they set some rules about how much video game I can play each week. I would abide by the rules when my parents were supervising me at home, but whenever my parents were not at home supervising me, 
I would enjoy the freedom by playing for hours and hours of video games, as much as possible, so long as I don't get caught, as there would be discipline and punishment. Now, imagine if my parents say to me one day, the rules are gone as of today. You can decide what to do with your time yourself. We won't punish you, no matter how much you play. What do you think I would do? I would probably go straight to my video games and play all day and all night because it feels so good and I feel so free to play as much as I like. Why would I stop? And we shall see, similar to this illustration, what's the issue that Paul addressed here in today's passage. I have titled this sermon, True Freedom or Fake Freedom. And if there is only one thing that I hope you will take away from today's sermon, it is that you remember that there is a fake freedom of sin and a true freedom of righteousness. Therefore, let us receive the free gift of true freedom and live in it, leading to sanctification and eternal life. Let me repeat. There is a fake freedom of sin and a true freedom of righteousness. Therefore, let us receive the free gift of true freedom and live in it, leading to sanctification and eternal life. Today's text tells us how we can live in that true freedom. Firstly, you must recognize your current state, that is verses 15 to 16. And secondly, you must receive the redemption from God. That's verses 17 to 19. And thirdly, you must remember your future in Christ. That's verses 20 to 23. So again, firstly, recognize your current state. Secondly, receive the redemption of God. And thirdly and lastly, remember your future in Christ. Let's look at the first point now. To live in true freedom, you need to recognize your current state. Up to Romans chapter 6, Paul has been teaching that because of Jesus Christ, we miserable sinners can be justified by God's grace alone through faith. And if you don't understand what that phrase uh, that I just mentioned means, please do talk to me or other Christians here tonight. This is very important. This God's saving grace in Jesus is able to save the utmost of sinners. This is a significant part of the glorious gospel. But people might have misunderstandings about the gospel. So tonight's passage begins with such a misunderstanding that Paul addresses. Please look with me at verse 15. People might ask, Paul, suppose this good grace is so abundant and so free. Can't we just continue in sin? Because we're not under the law, but under this free and abundant grace. Under law means being bound by the law of Moses in the Old Covenant era. Back then, Israel broke the laws of Moses 
and were subjected to curses and death. But now, the era of the new covenant of Jesus Christ has come. The Christians in Christ are under grace. Grace so abundant and so liberating. Any sin and every sin of anyone can be all forgiven because all the curses and death have been absorbed by Christ. And Christians are loved and blessed by God. So the question comes, shall we Christians just continue in sin? After all, sin can feel so attractive at times and sinners feel so good in sinning. But Paul's answer is, by no means, absolutely not. Why? Paul continues in his answer in verse 16. Sinning may feel like freedom, but it's fake freedom. Indeed, sinning is slavery and it leads to death. But you are in true freedom, bound to righteousness, which leads to eternal life. Therefore, do not continue sinning. Do not continue in sin. Do not live in sin. Paul says, and I paraphrase, Do you not know, if you stand by someone's side submissively and obey whatever that person tells you to, with no rejection, then you are in fact the slave of that person. Then Paul says something shocking. He says, these are the possible states of your life. You're either a slave of a sin if you obey your innate, sinful, rebellious passion and desires, or you are a slave of righteousness if you obey God's teaching through Christ. This means there's no such thing as an autonomous person. When you think you are free, being yourself, following your own heart, you are not. That's a delusion. That's a fake freedom. Think about the world's addiction to social media, pornography, drugs. Think about our natural tendency, how natural it feels like to lie, to be selfish, and to be greedy, and to be the master of our own lives. Because we are all under a sinful nature, we all have this sinful nature since Adam. Being yourself simply means you are serving as a slave of sin. So, brothers and sisters and friends, recognize that you are never an autonomous person, but either a slave of sin, serving sinful passions, or a slave of obedience, serving God and obeying His teachings through Christ. You also need to recognize that these two choices have serious consequences. It's a serious matter regarding who is your master. Is it sin? Then it leads to death. When sinful temptations and pressure come, do you readily embrace sinning and carry it out? then try to justify it instead of repenting? Are you disbelieving 
and disobeying God's word because you disagree with him? Are you annoyed by godly counsel and biblical discipline because they offend your desires or hurt your feelings? Are you caught in the cycle of stubborn sin, guilt, and shame, and you have given up fighting, but started to accept and even enjoy it? No matter how good and free you feel when you indulge in sin in a moment, the sobering fact is that if sin is your master, then you are heading to death. In the days of Noah, most people were eating and drinking and being merry, carrying out their normal sinful life as usual, as people around them also do, ignoring the appeal for repentance and righteousness. Until the day when the flood came and destroyed them all. Or is God your master? Then it leads to righteousness. If you serve and obey God to do His will, then you are a slave of obedience, bearing fruit of righteous deeds, glorifying God, fully pleasing to Him, proving yourself a disciple of Lord Jesus Christ in a watching and hostile world. So this is the first step to live in freedom. You need to recognize your current state. You are not autonomous, but a slave, serving either sin or God, who is your master. My second point is this. To live in true freedom, you need to receive the redemption of God. Let's look together at verses 17 through 19. Paul says to Christians in Rome, and I paraphrase, You were serving as slaves of sin for a long time, but at one point you drawn a line and said decisively, This far and no further, you received the divine authority, you, you received the divine authority of the standard of teaching taught to you from Jesus and his apostles. And from your heart you obeyed the teaching. Now What's the ultimate cause for that change? Paul didn't say, good on you guys. Give yourself a big hand and a pat on your back. That, my friend, is the power of positive psychology. No. What did Paul say? He says, but thanks be to God. Paul says, hallelujah, it is not you, it's God. God the Father is the administrator of salvation. He plans, initiates the great rescue plan to set you free from sin. God the Son is the accomplisher of salvation. He perfectly carried out the Father's plan by a righteous living, obedient death, and triumphant resurrection to provide redemption to set you free. God, the Holy Spirit, is the communicator of salvation. He regenerates us with a new heart and new spirit and applies the plan of the Father and the work of the Son to us. He guarantees 
our salvation to the end. In verse 18, Paul tells us, we passively receive this redemption of God. Firstly, God frees us from the bondage to sin. Secondly, God makes us slaves of righteousness. Imagine you're living in a household of, in the household of Satan. He speaks smooth words to you, tickles your ears and hearts, and you obey his instruction and even enjoy the delusion of fake freedom. But one day, Christ came and he broke the ceiling of that wicked household, descended, he finds you and replaces your eyes to see how filthy and wretched the environment you are in. Heavy chains around your bloody neck, hands and feet. He then shows you the ugly face of sin and Satan and the direction of death, hell that you are heading towards. And then gives you a new heart, a new spirit so that you cry out to him, save me, Lord. And then Christ frees you from the chains, picks you up out of that crummy household and takes you to the household of God, the household of righteousness and life. You are now free, truly free. Although Paul calls you slaves of righteousness, he explains that it is due to the reader's natural limitation that he used slavery as an analogy. The analogy is only partially accurate in the sense that you once were ready to submit to sin and follow its instructions of impurity and ever-increasing kinds of lawlessness. Now, in a similar but entirely opposite way, Paul calls Christians to submit to God and do God's will of righteousness. Your obedience to God grows you to be more holy and more like Christ. And instead of slavery, this obedience to God and righteousness is the greatest true freedom. Many people might think, uh, might think being a Christian means giving up what you really enjoy and then forcing yourself, kicking and screaming to endure and do what you really don't care about or hate to do. That's not true. If that were true, that would be slavery indeed. But the redemption of God not only frees you from the chains of sin, but God also takes you to His home. He gives you His family name. You became one of God's children. He replaces your dirty clothes with shiny white ones. He transforms you, giving you new eyes, a new heart, new spirit, new desires, new passions. The sins you once enjoyed, you now detest and disgust. Instead, from your heart, you find endless joy and immense pleasure in knowing, enjoying, obeying, and glorifying God. God's redemption changes your sinful nature and restores it to what it should be, to holiness. This is another significant part of the gospel. 
Although sometimes you may still hear the whispers of Satan coming from Satan's household, and you might still do his bidding from time to time. But God's redemption means that you now have the power to reject sin. And the wills of your heart now increasingly and more and more naturally conform to God's righteousness. This is the true freedom coming from your God-redeemed true nature. So this is the second step to living true freedom. Receive the redemption of God. Cry out to Him from your heart, Save me, Lord. And He will save you and transform your nature and make you a child of God. So far, we've talked about to live in true freedom, you need to first recognize your current state and second, to receive the redemption of God. And here comes the third and final point. To live in true freedom, you need to remember your future in Christ. Please look with me at verses 20 to 21. Paul reminds his readers of their past, saying, You once had no sense of duty or binding conscience to do what is right. You enjoyed that fake freedom and did nasty things. But look at the results now. Even you yourselves are now ashamed of them. These shameful things lead to ultimate shameful thing, death. The history of Adam and Eve disobeying God in their fake freedom, bringing shame and spiritual and physical death seems to repeat in every human being, doesn't it? And in verse, uh, verses 22 to 23, Paul contrasted with the gloomy with that gloomy and hopeless past with a grace-filled future in Christ Jesus our Lord for everyone who believes brothers and sisters this is your future you should look forward to as you live in true freedom Paul says the fruit of serving God obeying God in true freedom is sanctification and the end result of sanctification is eternal life. Notice that eternal life is not simply existing with vital signs forever. Eternal life can never be separated from sanctification. The desire and action of holiness and the living relationship with God, that's sanctification. We cannot entice someone to become a Christian if he or she simply wants to live forever in his or her sin without repentance. People who don't love and enjoy God now would never enjoy eternal life with God forever. But verse 23 tells us more about this eternal life. Eternal life is contrasted with death as wages of sin. This means death is what we sinners deserve. We've earned it through sinning, and God pays us justly with death. But eternal life is a free gift of God. Its very nature is grace. 
It's something that we don't deserve. Jesus taught his disciples, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. You see, doing righteous deeds as commanded by God and Christ is our duty. We cannot earn payments. We deserve no eternal life. But God, oh, that two little words, that's so sweet. But God is gracious. And he freely gives us the gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus, our God, our Lord. So, brothers and sisters, our God encourages us to live in the true freedom by his amazing, gracious gift of sanctification and eternal life. Eternal life is eternal life in Christ with God himself. Can you fathom this? That God has given us himself as a free gift, which we don't deserve and can never earn. There is no burden for us to merit that gift. How could we? But in giving himself to us as a free gift, God has freed us to love and serve him, to worship him with hearts full of thanks, saying, such grace, such love, and such an amazing God. This is the third and final step to live in true freedom, to remember your future of sanctification and eternal life is a secure and free gift of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord, already given. To summarize, the slavery of sin feels free, but is fake freedom. But to obey God and do what is righteous is true freedom. And to live in this true freedom, you need to first recognize your current state, not as autonomous, but a slave either of sin or of God. Second, receive the redemption of God, receiving a new nature to do God's will freely. And third, remember your future in Christ, a secure and grace-filled gift already given, freeing you to love, serve, and worship the amazing God. Let's pray. Dear God, help us to recognize your abundant grace in our lives, the grace that redeemed us from the slavery of sin, the grace that produces righteous fruit, the grace that sanctifies us, and the grace that grants us eternal life with you, our Lord and Savior. Help us to live in that true freedom to love and serve and worship you, till we come home to you face to face and forevermore. We ask in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.